It's going to be a sad day for some people who say they're believers. They're going to stand before the Lord, and perhaps they did some great things for God, but the Lord never approved of their life. Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to share your word as we go through part of 2 Timothy chapter 3. Thank you for your spirit. There is no one like you. And Father, we, we're so very grateful for sending your son Jesus to die for us and to raise him from the dead for our justification. Thank you for sending your spirit. You left us with your spirit. You sent your spirit to indwell us, to comfort us, to lead us, to guide us. You gave us your word as our guide. I thank you that the word of God abides within us and the spirit of God leads us according to that word. And we are so very grateful. Help us to thrive in these last and evil days. Father, I pray that we would be a church to be a light, a city set up on a hill that will shine the light of the gospel to many, that those who are lost will find, uh, discover the gospel, realize who Jesus is. And Father, we thank you. Make us a witness as a church and as individuals, Make us usable, make us a, a vessels of honor for your namesake in Jesus' name. And Father, grant it to your people the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards them that believe. Grant unto me your son and your slave, supernatural divine utterance, that I may boldly may know the mysteries of the gospel, I rely on you, Holy Spirit, to lead me and guide me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're talking about thriving in the last days. I mean, we're living in the last of the last days. Um, and we are, we are in and we're heading, heading into some crazy times. Um, as we look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, we will see the Holy Spirit, well, what the Holy Spirit was saying through the Apostle Paul to Timothy and how it applies for us today, 2023, 2024, 2025, 2026, 2030, and beyond. So let's take a look at verse one. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty, of difficulty. Dangerous, hardships, painful. There will come times of painful hardships. Um, with your Bibles, go with me to John chapter 6, verse 33. John chapter 6, verse 33. Just a reminder of the blessed promise from Jesus. John chapter 16, verse 33. It says this. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace, and in the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So we see from the scripture, it says, in me 
in me, talking about in Christ, you will have what? You have what? Come on. Peace. Peace. Shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken. But in the world, you will have what? Tribulation. So Jesus is clearly saying to us that in this world, you're going to have some trouble. But in Christ, you're going to have some peace. That's good news. And let's go to um, go back to Second Timothy. Actually, on your way to Second Timothy, go to Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two. So in Christ, we have peace. In the world, you're going to have tribulation, oppression, troubles. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus, the reason why we're overcomers, because He overcame. So th- keep that in mind as you as as we're going through some hardships. Um, the the Bible does not promise a life of ease, but actually promises peace in the midst of hardship. God's presence in our lives is not the absence of trouble, but it's just the comfort that we have. And we should be people who are stable in Christ, that we're not moved by what we see, the signs of the times. And so Acts chapter 2, verse 17, and Paul was saying, in the last days, Acts 2, verse 17, in the last days, it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. This tells us that on the day of Pentecost was, I believe, was the first day of the last days. In the last days, that's what Luke is saying through Peter, Peter's preaching, um, according to um, prop, the prophet Joel, in the last days it shall be. God, sh- God declares that I will pour out, uh, King James says, pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Go with me to 1 John chapter 2. I want to show you something. As I was meditating 1 Peter, I mean, excuse me, 2 Timothy, the, these are the things that came in my heart to share. Um, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse, I mean, 1 John chapter 2 Verse 18 says, children, it is what? The last what? Hour. A little bit different than the days, right? (laughs) So here, this is years later after Acts, um, after Peter got up on the day of Pentecost. It says, in the last days, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. John, who is still in that same time period, a little bit further than the book of Acts, actually wrote this, and he said this. He says, um, verse 18, children, it is the last hour. It is the last hour. As you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, know that it is that it is the last hour. It is the last hour. So it's not just the last days now. Now we see John, the apostle, is saying the last hour. Man, that, that, that should speak to us. So it goes beyond just the last days. So we are not just in the last days, but we are in the last of the last hour. The last of the last hour. Difficult times can be viewed as, again, um, struggling times, perilous times, perplexing times, painful times. How how do we as believers live in the last of the last hour? 
Some don't believe that he's coming, but he's, his, his, his return is upon us. Go back to 2 Timothy now. 2 Timothy. Thriving in the last days. Thriving in the last days. Verse 2, it says, For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. Let's take a look. There's about 19 um, types of people that Paul is talking about. Lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, and it goes on. This is very profound that Paul is saying we, we need to recognize that they're, they're, these people are going to be in manifestations to let you know that we're living in the last days. I don't know about you, but we can see these people today. Um, I do believe that some of these people are in the church, and I do believe, of course, they're in the world. And yet he says, avoid such people. Uh, Verse 5, let's look at that again. Having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. These are the ones that we should avoid. I believe specifically he's referring to those that appear to be something that they're not. Not necessarily all of that list, um, you know, because in one sense, we, we would have to avoid everybody that's in the world. But I believe, Paul, it seems to be that it's a great emphasis on those that are in the church. And, and, and as we think about this, that having their people who have the appearance of godliness. I don't know about you, but as I look in the world, I don't see people trying to appear godly. They're very prideful. What's, what's this month? The Pride Month, right? They, they are priding on their sinful behavior, sinful nature, and yet I don't believe that they're trying to appear to be godly. I believe Paul is telling Timothy, those people that are in the church that appear to be godly but deny his power, avoid those people. Avoid those people. Um. Let's, let's think about this as we think about those people who are, have a form of godliness. They appear to be something that they're not. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power of the gospel to affect their lives. They're empty individuals. They have no substance. As, as Peter says, along with Jude, they're clouds without water. They don't have substance about them. They have no character. They are hypocrites. Titus chapter 1, verse 6. Let's go over there. It says one book over. Titus chapter 1, verse 16. Titus chapter 1, verse 16 says this. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They're detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good work. 
They profess to know God. Do you know, don't raise your hand, do you know any believers that profess to know God, but they deny him in their works? They deny him in their lives. There's no evidence that he's working in them. There's no fruit of repentance. There's no fruit of salvation. They don't know him. Matthew chapter 7, let's go over there. We're, we're, we're going to take our time through this, but I, I want us to say, I won't be before you long, but I want us to see how do we thrive in the last days. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the ones who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Oh, that, I thought that was profound that, Jesus would say, there are people who, who are going to cry out, Lord, Lord. So just because they say they're Christian doesn't mean they're Christian. Just because they have the little fish sign on their car uh, or they have a Christian T-shirt or listen to Christian music. I know plenty of unsafe people who listen to Christian music. So there's no, that's not an indication that something belongs to God. Here he says, but the one who does the will of my father, I do know some believers who profess Christ, but they're not willing, they're not after the will of God. There's three types of wills, the will of man, or will of humanity, the will of Satan, and the will of God. So you're going to either do your own will, or you're going to do the will of God, or do the will of Satan. Here Jesus makes a line. He says, but the, one, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, that's the one who will enter the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is another term of saying the kingdom of God. Sometimes people want to distinguish the difference between kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God. But I believe it's the same. Matthew just chooses to use the kingdom of heaven, whereas Mark and Luke, and even John says the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, the way that we enter in is first you must be, John 3, you must be what? Born again. So you got to get saved. Um, and then, but you don't just be saved, but you go on to pursue the will of God. And here he says, the one who does the will of the Father will enter in. Verse 22, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty, uh, many mighty works in your name. And then I will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Here is a set, that's, that's going to be a sad day for some believers or, or people who say they're believers. They, they're going to stand before the Lord and, and perhaps they did some great things for God. Perhaps they did um, prophesy in his name and it came to pass. Perhaps they did drive out some demons. Perhaps they did some mighty works. But the Lord never approved of their life. And he says, depart from me. That will throw people, those, that group of people, into a place of the gnashing of teeth, of crying out, oh God, I don't want to be in that line. Look, I never knew you. I never approve of you. There are people who may be anointed. Just because a person is anointed doesn't mean that God approves of everything they believe and everything that they're living. 
that's a hard pill to swallow because sometimes when people are used by God, we associate them being used by God as they, if they know God. They don't, it doesn't, don't ever be impressed. Let, let me just say this as your pastor. Don't ever be impressed by somebody who's anointed. Praise God. Amen. Somebody who hears from God. You know, it's okay. Praise God. That's nice. You know, it, it's good to hear from God. It's good to be used by God. But, but as we saw for the last three weeks, we don't just don't want to be used by God, but we want to be usable. A, a, a vessel met for the master's use. We want to be an honorable vessel. There's some vessels, and there's some psalms who are not honorable. And so here, Jesus is driving the point home. You can do great things in my name and still not make it in. There are a lot of people that, it's sad, but some, some people have got the science of building church without God. They have all of the wonderful things that they think that people want to come and be a part of, but God is not being preached. Jesus is not being preached. Truth, there's a thing um, called false converts, where people actually believe they're saved when they're not. One of the greatest deceptions, I believe, is when people think they're really saved, but they're not. They have a mental agreement. They mentally agree with the Bible, but there is no transformation. And this is what I believe that Paul is telling Timothy. They have an appearance of godliness. They say all the right stuff. They have the dance. They have the worship. They have, uh, you know, they're reading the books about the Bible. Perhaps they're even reading the Bible, but yet it's not affecting their lives. That's it. Let, let's be careful of that. Paul says, I left, left my belt. <laughs> so that's why I'm pulling my pants up. <laughs> Paul says to avoid such people, uh, these type of people we're not to, go back to 2 Timothy, we're not to even fellowship with. We're not to, to fellowship with these people. I, I'm not saying if you see a Christian who's struggling, who got some habits and, and they need your help, that's one thing. But it's another thing to actually they're saying that they're okay. They're walking with God. They're walking, they're saying they're walking in the light. And yet, they, they, there's no power. There's no substance. You know, uh, it's one thing to be among people in the world, but, but people who profess to know Christ, and yet they're not living anything. Why should I, or why should you, associate with people who are not living what they're professing. He that walks with wise people will be wise. Bad company corrupts good behavior. If you, if you walk with a violent man, you'll learn his ways. The scripture is very strong on be, our company. It's one thing to be witnessing having, you should have some unsaved friends so you can witness to them. But it's another thing to have Christian friends who are not living anything. I'm not talking about baby Christians. I'm talking about Christian people who have been in Christ for some time, and yet they have no fruit of even walking with him. It's one thing if you just got saved, 
and, and you, 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 you're using profanity. But you've been saved a year, two, three, four, five, six, 10, 20, and you're still using profanity? Something is wrong. You're still having the same cycle of sin that you did when you first got born again? Something's not right. Here, he says, avoid such people. I've read First and Second Timothy and Titus almost, I mean, a lot. For years, I've done it like once a week for years and years and years and never really paid attention where it says avoid such people. Let's take a look at this again. Um, so in order for, my, my, first, my first point is this, thriving in the last days. In order for us to thrive in the last days, we got to avoid walking with people who appear to be something that they're not. Don't, if you're going to thrive, you got to be careful of your company. You got to, what's the saying? The birds of the feather flock together, right? <laughs> and so why are you around them people who are saying that they know God, but they deny him with their life? Um, as you look at these, the list of people that Paul lists, we see that there are three types of prideful people that he lists. Um, he talks about the proud, the arrogant, and then those swollen with conceit. Um, I, I just, he should just say prideful, right? But I believe he's trying to emphasize something. We know what pride is, is believing a lie. Um, a prideful person believes that there's something that they're not. They really believe that they're all of this. Um, arrogant, on the other hand, it's, it's a showing of a, it's another type of pride. It's, it's another level. It's just having or showing an exaggerated opinions of one's own, own importance. It's like, it's an overbearing pridefulness. Overbearing. Like, they, the Bible talks about a prideful look. They, they have such a way about them, they actually believe that there's something that they're not. Then you have swollen with conceit. This is the type of pride that boasts of sinful um, lifestyle, the pride that believes that they don't need God's grace as outlined in scriptures. So we need to avoid people with that. As you look at this list, you see that every last one of these individuals have a pride for people. But he emphasized proud, arrogant, and swollen with conceit. Let's continue. Um, the second thing we need in order to thrive in the last days, first is to avoid being around people who say they're Christians who are not living anything. Number two, we need humility. We need to be people of humility. Humility is something that we need to go after. It's not a one-time deal. We pray and that's it, but it's something that we have to constantly baptize ourselves in is the humility of Christ. Over and over, every day, you have a fight against pride. Let me say that again. Y'all quiet. <laughs> every day, you and I have a battle with pride. When we're talking to somebody, are you listening? Or are you trying to think about what you're going to say while they're talking? Prideful. Um, perhaps you don't understand something on the job or in school and you don't ask the question that will help you to get the answer that you need. I'm prideful. I don't want nobody to know that I don't know this. Right. Um, shyness is a form, can be a form of pride. I, I'm shy. You know, that's who I am. 
Oh, really? And you got gifts and yet you don't want to sign. You don't want to do anything. You know, that, that, that could be prideful. And then people talk a lot. Prideful. You talk. I said this last week. You talk too much. You never shut up. That's a song. That's a song, right? Um, and we we got to don't talk too much. People are talking all the time. They're, they're sitting. They're, they're, they lie, as the young people say, they're capping, you know, and they just, like, they're, they're, they're saying something, like, talk, talk, yeah, you know, you know. they're going to say, oh, I'm this, and I'm, they're going to talk about themselves. Somewhere along the line, they're going to tell you who they are and what they have, what, who they, what they look like. They're going to brag about something. So we need to clothe ourselves with humility. If you're going to thrive, avoid people who are hypocrites. Number two, um, Close yourself with humility. I'm giving you the applications now if you didn't know. <laughs> so instead of the end. All right, let's, let's, let's look at this. Let's, let's talk about this humility. James chapter 4, let's go over there. I love that the fact that scripture, scriptures echo scriptures. I learned a long time ago when I was 19 by a, a young man by the name of R.C. Sproul in a book called Knowing Scriptures. And I was taking this class at Raymond Bible Training Center. At the time, it's Raymond Bible College now. It... In that book, Knowing Scriptures, it actually talked about the best way to interpret scriptures with the other scriptures. That changed my life forever. I was 19 years old. So when we interpret scriptures, we interpret them in light of other scriptures. Don't ever go, you ever ever had a Bible study or a small group and people reading a scripture and they said, tell me, what, what does that mean to you? That's error number one. It's not what it means to you, it's what it actually means. All right, because it might mean something different for you, but what does the text, what's the original intent? That's reading basic, basic reading 101. What's the original intent of the passage? Not what you think it means to you. So get, get away from that. What well, this scripture means that, I'm, you know, God was speaking to me and this, no, 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 no. You're capping. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Uh, let, let's go to James chapter four. Okay, thank you. Thank you for correction. Make me look like I'm fool out here. Be like capping. <laughs> okay, James chapter four. James chapter four. Let's look at verse six. Yeah, somebody say amen. James James chapter four verse six. But he gives more grace. More grace. Everybody say more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but it gives grace to the humble. Uh, the word proud, proud it, it, it's like in the Greek, it, it's like, a, like God is throwing his weight against you, like an army against you. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So if I can humble myself, then I can get some grace. So the more I humble myself, the more grace will be in my life. The less I humble myself, the, the less of God's grace I'll have. You and I can grow in grace. Sometimes people just want to say it's a one-time deal, but grace, there's levels of grace. And there's some people who got more grace and there's some who don't. But I'll tell you, if you look at the, measure, the measuring stick of the level of grace you have, it's the level of humility you walk in. So we should pursue humility. If you're going to thrive in the last days, you got to be a humble individual. You can't even get saved with pride. you got to come to Christ and say, you know what? I'm lost. I'm a sinner. I'm not okay with you. All my works is nothing but as filthy rags. 
I, dirty clothes. I, I, I need you. I need you. I need Jesus' birth, his life. I need his death. I need his resurrection. I need his ascension. I need his sitting on the right hand. I need his intercession, and I need his return. I need every ounce of Christ. You got to be humble. You got to come to Christ. You got to believe that he is who he says he is. And that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You got to be have humility. God never saved a prideful individual. I'm talking about in the moment of their pride, he's not going to save them. God opposes the proud, but it gives grace to the humble. Let's go to another scripture that echoes this. First Peter chapter five. That's the next book over. First Peter chapter five. Let's look at verse five. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, it says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, <laughs> with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. I love the fact that he says, humble yourselves. God is not in the business of humbling us. He's in the business of us humbling ourselves. Humble yourself. You don't want God to do it. <laughs> uh, and we know, we know that Christ is the perfect example of what humility should look like. So even the, the month of June being called Pride Month is something that God is against. That the fact that God will have nothing to do with pride. I do understand when people say, I'm proud of you, and I'm not going to be legalistic about that. Oh, don't say that. Or I'm some of the religious folks will say, I'm godly proud of you. <laughs> so how can you be godly proud of something, right? I mean, I just, it, it just don't go hand in hand. This is like say, God is incredible. Uh, he's unbelievable? <laughs> is, that, is that what we believe now? He's an incredible God. <laughs> he's unbelievable? Is God really unbelievable? No, he is believable. I'm sorry. I don't want to get on to our songs. <laughs> but there is a, uh, we, we need to pursue. If we're going to thrive in the last days, we got to be humble. I, I want to grow in grace. I want to go in grace. Every time I hit the pul podium, a pulpit, I, I'm clothing myself with grace because I can't depend on what happened last Sunday. And I can't depend on my, my abilities. Lord, I need you. Praying, Lord, I, I, I need you. I get nervous almost every time I speak, whether it's in front of two youth or 2,000 people, I get nervous. That reminds me to depend on him. <laughs> I, don't ever let that nervousness go away. Don't let the flies, you know, butterflies go away in my stomach. Because if they go away, then I must be like, oh, look at me. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying if you don't have butterflies, you got pride. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Yeah, everybody looking for butterflies when they get up and speak. Like, oh, I got, no. <laughs> you might not have that issue, but I need it. I need a reminder. Go back to 2 Timothy chapter 2, 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're almost finished, believe it or not. Um, we, let's, let's, the, the five, so we talked about the three types of pride for people that Paul lists. And he also lists five types of lovers. Um. Uh, let, let's, let's look at this. For people, verse 2, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless. Uh, I'm, I'm, for time's sake, let me just list the, the, the five types of lovers. Self-lovers. People who love themselves. They so in love with themselves. Love self. I mean, 
They, it's good to be have self-care, self-help, but you're not to love yourself like in out of order. It's, um, Matthew 22 says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and all your mind, your soul, your strength. And love as, as you love yourself, I mean, love your, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So the proper way to love yourself is to love God first. Uh, even before you love God, you got to understand he loves you. So we love him because he first loved us. So you receive that love, then you turn around and give that love back to him. In the process, you can love yourself in a proper way. Then you love your neighbor as yourself. But sometimes this is what Paul is saying. They put self first. They love self. Then they love money. Money lovers. How many people you know? And just because you got money doesn't mean you love money. Because I know a lot more people who are broke and they love money. Right. <laughs> you can be poor and love money. Right. So don't associate loving money as somebody who's rich. Because I'm looking at a bunch of rich people now Amen. who love God more than they love money. Amen. Amen. And then you have pleasure lovers. They love pleasure. They love pleasure. It's like the person who loves the sweets. But... More, they love the sweets more than the consequences of not working out. Uh, they love the pleasure, the pleasure of things. Then you have those who, who are lovers of evil. They love evil things. They, they love hateful things. And then the greatest category of these is the lovers of God. Lovers of God. The Lord isn't looking for part-time lovers. I, I was sitting down and I was going through the passage this week. And um, the way that Cordy and I sometimes do, we'll, we'll, we'll share what we're getting with a passage if, if the person has to preach. And um, I was like, it's like being a part-time lover. Well, that, she's like, well, that's not what the passage is saying, part-time lover. I understand that, but he's not looking for part-time lover. And I said, Alexa, play Part-Time Lover by Stevie Wonder. She said, why are you playing that in the midst of your study? Because that's what it reminded me of. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and she's like, okay. Um, he's looking, God is looking for full-time lovers. People who are in love with him regardless of what's happening in the world. So if you're going to thrive, the third thing is you got to be a lover of God. You got to love God no matter what. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 5, Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40, talks about loving the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength, and all your soul. You're, we we got to love God regardless. No matter what's happening in your world, you got to love God. If your loved ones die on you, you still got to love God. If your kids go away, and they, they walk away from the faith. You still got to love God. And if you lose your job, you still got to love God. That no matter what's happening in your world, you got to love God. Love the, you, you say, you know what? I may not, I, I love God so much, I don't love this pleasure. I'm going to avoid this pleasure because I love God so much. I'm not going to love sleep. The Bible tells us not to love sleep. So, you know, people use that word loosely. I love sleep. I love me some sleep. No, the Bible says the person that loves sleep will be poor. <laughs> so we can't love sleep. Sleep is only temporary. It's, it's just a, you sleep. I love this food. People love their bellies more than they love God. The Bible talks about loving your belly. 
uh, you know, they, they, you know, we, we are to have the, our love properly placed. We're to love God and love people and, and love the things of God. But notice that we, we're not to love these things. I know what we're saying. We're saying we like something really a, a lot, but we're not to like, I really love working out. I don't like working out. I mean, just to be truthful, I like I eat spinach. Sometimes I, the other day I went and before I went to train, I ate spinach for breakfast. I don't I don't love eating spinach for breakfast. I mean, I want some pancakes. I want some scrambled eggs with cheddar cheese and I want some bacon. I mean, and a bagel on top of that. And you know what I'm saying? And, and some uh, uh, uptown from Chick-fil-A, Sunjoy. Uh, <laughs> watermelon, yes. Get two of them because they're small cups. <laughs> and so I, I, I you know, I, I don't love, but how many know we don't do stuff because we love it all the time? Eating that spinach is, is, is a source of protein and, and it helps you. And, and, and I eat garlic every morning. I, I stopped it for half of the month of June. But I, I, but I, but I cut a clove of garlic every day except for Sunday because I got to see you. And I, and I chop it up and I let it sit for 10 minutes. And then I eat it and I chew it. And my wife's like, is it good? I say, I know, I, I hate this. And I'm chewing it. And it's like, I put some lemon juice on it to get rid of the sting. And I'm like, why are you eating this? I said, I don't know. Let me ask Alexa. Alexa, what are some benefits of garlic? And it goes through the list. Yeah. I said, that's why I'm eating it. Uh, it thins out the blood. It lowers your cholesterol. I mean, all kinds of benefits for garlic. It's, it clears your skin up. It's like, this is why I'm doing it. Remind me of the benefits. I'm sorry. So, so we're not to love these, these other things. I love reading. No, we're to love God. Amen. Lovers of God. We need to love him no matter what's happening in our life. All right. My last thing I want to, um, as, as we end this, is Paul lists these people. And I want to submit to you, in order to, to thrive in these last days, we're to do the opposite. So let's go through the list again. Verse two, for people will be lovers of self. So as a believer, and you're going to thrive in the last days, you got to deny yourself. Luke chapter nine talks about denying yourself. Uh, Whosoever loses life shall find it. Whoever saves his life for my sake, or whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. But what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself or his soul? So whoever saves his life will lose it. Here, the person that loves their self, they're not denying themselves. They, they do whatever they want to do. How many know it's good to deny yourself? We're not to do everything that we want to do. Right? Just because you want to go to sleep doesn't mean you should go to sleep. Because if you, especially if you got stuff to do. Um, just because you want to eat doesn't mean you got to eat. I, almost every night I go to bed hungry. I don't want to go to bed hungry. I stopped eating at six. I, my stomach was like, honey, my, my wife's like, honey, you want something to eat? No. <laughs> you sure? I just made something for the kids. Oh, God. And it'd be like, what I want. <laughs> no. Don't love yourself. Say, no, I'm not, I'm not going to love myself that way. I'm going to deny myself. Number two, lovers of money. Lovers of money. So what's the opposite? Lover, uh, lovers of God. And give him. Matthew 6, 24, it says, you cannot serve two masters. Either you will serve God or you'll serve money. So we're to love God enough to say, you know what? Money is not my 
you know, I know they say cash is king, but Jesus is king. I understand what they're trying to say. In other words, stop using credit cards. <laughs> uh, uh, no, we love God. And 1 Timothy 6.18 talks about being ready for those who are rich, be ready to distribute to others, to share. So as you, because we love God and, and because we don't love money, we, we're willing to give our money away. Keep that in mind. All right, the next one's proud. He talks about proud. Um, the opposite of that, we need to be humble. Proverbs 20, 20 verse 4, the humility is the, is, is the fear of the Lord. To be humble, is that's part of to fear the Lord. Arrogant. Arrogant. Um, I, 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 I kind of connected that with thinking, sobering, thinking soberly about yourself. Romans 12, 3, not to think of yourself more highly, not to believe in an exaggeration about yourself. That, you, know, they say, you know, some people say, oh, I, I'm the bum. Uh, I'm at the bottom of the bum. <laughs> I, I, I think we, we, we should not think more highly of ourselves. So that's the opposite of arrogant. Abusive. Um, you think about somebody who abused people with their words, with their, their um, physical being. Um, we're not to abuse people. We're to love people. So Matthew 22 reminds us, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So don't abuse others. The next one is disobedient to parents. This applies to children who are specifically in the, still in the house. We do the opposite. Ephesians 6 of 1, be, be obedient to your parents. In the last days, we'll see children rise up and they'll disobey their parents. The next one is ungrateful. People are ungrateful. We've got to be grateful. Be grateful. First Thessalonians 5.18. And everything, it is the will of God for us to give thanks. So sometimes you can bless somebody with something and they'll just, they're ungrateful. It's like they're entitled, they feel entitled to that. We should be grateful. If somebody, if you don't, if you don't have, you know, you need a ride and somebody gives you a ride, you should be grateful. You know, if you only have $2, give them a dollar for the ride. Something, you know. Uh, I don't have anything, but when I do get paid, I'm going to cash out you something. Be grateful. Um, one of the signs that we're living in the last days, there's a lot of ungrateful people. Ungrateful. Uh, the next one is unholy. There, there's people who are unholy. So the opposite of this, be holy. Leviticus 9.2, for be holy for even as I am holy. The Lord is saying this. And so we're to be holy. Holy, righteous vessels. Um, the next one is heartless. How many heartless people you know? They have no heart. <laughs> and yet Ephesians 4.32 tells us to be tenderhearted. So we should be heartful, not heartless. <laughs> Sometimes people do stuff without their heart in it. It says, whatever you do, do it wholeheartedly unto the Lord. And so don't be heartless. <laughs> the next one, un unappeasable. In other words, they're not able to be satisfied. They're not satisfied with what they have. They, they always got to have more. But we're to be content, Philippians 4, 11. And whatever state that you find yourself in, whatever state, whether you're in New Jersey or New York or, or, or Wyoming, whatever state you find yourself in, be content. Whether you're in the country or in the city, be content. I mean, I'm just making it more applicable. So be content. Being content is the opposite of being unappeasable. You are able to be appeased. Come on. Slanderous, <laughs> that, 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 that speaks to a lot of people, especially on social media. But Titus chapter 3, verse 2 says, speak evil of no man. Don't speak evil of nobody. It doesn't matter if, you, if they're wrong, don't speak evil of them. 
that that that's going to take you a lot of work to work on. I'm not going to speak evil of anybody. People are laughing at President Biden who fell. Woe to the person that laughs at somebody else who falls, because then the, they themselves will fall shortly. And so we're not to slander people or make up stuff or go hard. This is a big one without self-control. These, this is the, the, a person in the last days that don't have no control. And yet Galatians 5.23 says uh, one of the fruit of the spirit is that we have self-control. Now go with me real quick. Uh, this is my last scripture for you. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, KJV. Um, ESV, I'm sorry. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of what? Love and what? Self-control, ESV says. And if you look at a sound mind in the Greek, it actually means discipline. Discipline. So the opposite of Without self-control is to have the spirit of discipline. So if you're out of control, you have no control over your thoughts. Come on, I'm preaching. No control over your mouth. No control over your spinning habits. No control over your, 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 your appetites, what you eat, your sexual appetites. Come on. No self-control then you are displaying that we're living in the last days. We got to be we got to have self-control. We got to control our emotions. It's what they call emotional intelligence. I control my emotions. I'm not going to react to you, I'm going to respond to you. They going off. Uh, they yelling at you and a soft answer, soft word turns wrath. I understand what you're saying. And I own it. And they just want to cuss at you. If you control your tongue, you control your life. And we see a lot of people going off at the tongue. They have no control. They no control of their emotions. No, you know, I can't, I just can't think right. I can just, I always think there's horrible things. Self-control, developing powers of concentration. You tell them to read the Bible and they can't think about what they're reading. They think about what they're wanting to eat after. <laughs> In prayer, they're thinking about what they're going to do. And, and they oh, Lord, I love you. I worship. And they just think about, oh, my show's going to hit tonight at 9 o'clock. No self-control. Been watching. I've done that and still do it, and I'm not saying that. But sometimes it's good to be self-controlled. Wait till the next week for the next season. Or maybe I don't have the time to sit and look at five hours of Netflix. <laughs> Hulu. Stars. <laughs> <laughs> Pure flex. Even in the Christian movie, you could be a watch. I'm looking about Jesus. No, still the same spirit. <laughs> it might not be as bad, but you're still entertaining yourself. You love the pleasure of entertainment more than the hardship of prayer. Jesus, that just that was utterance. <laughs> not in the notes. <laughs> I love the pleasure of it. We love entertainment. Whether it's all American, <laughs> whatever the case may be, they kill Bill Baker. I'm sorry, <laughs> just whatever. <laughs> uh, 
The next one, let's go. <laughs> Pastor giving out all his info. <laughs> what you been looking at, all American? <laughs> Patience. <laughs> Sorry, it's the fruit of the spirit in there. <laughs> okay, the next one, stop it. Um, brutal. <laughs> brutal. You know, some people are just brutal. They're brutal with their words, brutal with their actions. Uh, Ephesians 4.15 tells us <laughs> to speak the truth in love. Speak the truth. So we can't be brutal. You know, sometimes I'm a confronter. I confront people. I mean, it's just, that's pride. I mean, you boasting that you like, I ain't scared of them. Like, like can we have a conversation? <laughs> you, you, you got to speak truth in love. If you, raising your children, if you do all, all love, it's going to breed rebellion. If you do all truth, it's going to breed rebellion. But you speak the truth in love, you balance your children out. Yeah. That you, you got you to gotta deal with whatever issues that you need to deal with, but you do it in a way that is loving. You clothe that truth with love. Amen. Amen. The next one, not loving good. You got, I lied because I said that was a lesson. Go to Amos. Amos chapter 5. <laughs> Amos chapter 5. Uh, there's some people who don't love good. They, they, they want to see people fail. They, they, they rejoice at evil. That's 1 Corinthians chapter um, 13. They rejoice with, when, with evil, when something happens bad to people. And, and, and we, we, we're, not, we're, we're to be love, we, lovers of good. Amos chapter 5, verse 15. It says, hate evil and what? Love good. <laughs> and establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord, the God of hosts, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Hate evil, but love good. Love God, but hate sin. We, we got we our hate in the wrong place. Sometimes we're hating people instead of sin for ways. Right. Hating the enemy, coming against the enemy. But here it says, lovers of good, we got to love good. We got to be people, we got we to gotta love to do good, do good by our spouses, do good by our children, do good by our community, do good by our jobs, do good by our church. Come on, do good by everybody, especially the household of faith. The next one, treacherous, treacherous. It's uh, like it speaks of um, disloyalty. How I many know oh, God is looking, the opposite is faithfulness. If somebody tells you a secret, we don't keep secrets around here. Uh, uh, if somebody shares something with you in confidence, you're going to be faithful not to share it. God sees that. If somebody tells you not to, I'm not talking about a minor, right? That, that's a different story. But I'm talking about somebody shares something with you about what's happening in their marriage, their finances. You don't go around in the name of prayer sharing with other people. Courtney would tell you if somebody shares something with her, I do not know about it unless they bring it up in uh, uh, counseling. And the same with me. She's like, you know about that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, she's like, man, you would take this stuff to the grave. Absolutely. You share something with me. And somebody tells me, they, they not kids, uh, adult. They said, you know what? I just killed somebody, PD. I said, okay. <laughs> I, I, but, you know, I, I keep that. I, I mean, I, even going to the law is not going to change anything. As a, that's, you think about the mafia, mafias, maf, mafia, right? You think about how they go and they confess to the priest. The priest is not going, no, that, that's a law. There's a law in place to say, you know, I got to keep that. 
Nobody ever confessed to me that they killed somebody, by the way. <laughs> you know, if they did, I was just like, oh, yeah, nice knowing you. <laughs> Let me block them. <laughs> You'll kill me. <laughs> I kill PD. <laughs> so, um, but faithful, faithful with our word, faithful to keep your word. There's a lot of people who don't keep their word. I see you next week. Uh, or you tell your kids you're going to do something, you don't do it. We, we got to be faithful, faithful with the little stuff. God sees all those things. He's looking and listening. And if you're not faithful, then that's going to hinder the grace for you to even be used by God in certain ways. You got even, let me just say this, even sometimes if you get a word from God about somebody, it's not always for you to tell them that. I get words all the time about y'all, <laughs> but I don't necessarily go ahead and just tell you the Lord is telling you, telling me, no, some, some things is just for me to pray about. Some things is just like, this is going to happen and it's going to happen just like this. So I said, okay, well, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> uh, but if you talk too much and God shows you something about somebody, God will stop showing you stuff about that people because he can't trust you. Be faithful. Okay, next one, real quick. We got a couple more. Um, reckless. People just do stuff dangerously. In the name of faith or in the name of foolishness, they just, they're reckless. Reckless with their love. Reckless with, with their hearts. Just trust their heart with everybody. Um, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9 says, to be sober-minded, to use sound judgment. We're not to be reckless, reckless with our lives, uh, reckless with what we eat and how we deal with our bodies. Reckless. Some people are just reckless. They, 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 they do things without thinking about the consequences. They go into financial adventures without considering the consequences. They, 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 they make decisions on the fly. I'm not talking about like in the middle, oh, I think I want to go to this restaurant. I'm not talking about something small like that. But I'm talking about in, with our lives, these people are reckless. And yet the Bible tells us to be sober, to, to, to be mindful, to, to have judgment, sound judgment. Next one, swollen with conceit. The opposite of that, 1 Peter 5, is clothe yourself with humility. And the, and the last one is, well, last two is lovers of pleasure. The opposite of that is contentment. You, you know, pleasure is, I, I gotta, it's always, I got to have it now. I want it now. Whether it's the food, whether it's um, any kind of appetite, or I got to, you know, the pleasure of this thing. I'm going to be content where I'm at right now. Last is appearing as godly. The opposite of that is to be godly. Let's not just appear to be godly. Let's just be godly. Let's not appear to be something that we're not. Um, that right there is to me will wrap up everything. It's, let's be godly. Holy men and women of God, that no matter what, I'm going to be the vessel of honor. I'm going to be 
an instrument for the Lord's grace. I'm going to do what the Bible says. I'm going to be a doer. To be holy is to have the fruit of the Spirit in all operation. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. I have all of that operating in your lives at the same time. You know, some people, they have love and yet they're not joyful or they don't have self-control. Let's, let's become a faithful follower, a faithful, disciplined individual of Christ. Let's faithfully clothe ourselves with the humility. Give God glory for what he's done in our lives and not to think more highly of ourselves, not to appear to be something that we're not. If you're going to thrive, you got to guard that, that, that hypocrisy, putting on a face for others, doing eye service. I know sometimes when I'm training, uh, I ain't going to even front with y'all. Sometimes the coach come around and, and I'm training and, and I'm like working out really hard. And then he leaves. I light it up a little bit. <laughs> it's like, oh, Jesus, take a break. <laughs> this is a praise break, Lord. <laughs> and, and then when he comes back, I was like, oh, that's, that's our service. Uh, y'all act like y'all never did that in your life. Uh, uh, you know, it's like, it's like teenagers. You, you're in a room, you know, you're on a computer, and uh, your parents come by, and you're doing homework. Oh, what you doing? Oh, I'm reading this book about Shakespeare. And then they show up, and you're like, oh, you know, they leave. You're like, oh, you're playing your game. Minecraft. <laughs> I'm mining the craft, Daddy. <laughs> Don't know about history. <laughs> we go deep in history. <laughs> we, we, we hire somebody to find out every website you've ever been to. <laughs> that put the fear of God in you. Let's not do things for our eye service. Let's not present ourselves to be something that we're not. If, if you, you know you haven't been reading the scriptures, just say, hey, I, I love the teenagers. They'd be like, I haven't read it all week. I didn't read it last week. <laughs> John, what's John? Who's John? <laughs> and then when they do read it, like, oh, I read it every week. They want you to know they read it every day. All right. Thank you. Come on, let's, let's join me standing. We, well, actually, before we do that, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper in light of thriving in the last days. We're going to pass out the communion, and I want you all to just make this covenant that says, you know what, I'm not going to allow the world to, to control my life, but I'm going to thrive in the midst of this last, last hour. I'm going to be the Christian that God's called me to be. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I'm going to be holy. I'm going to love God more than I love pleasure. I'm going to be a giver and not love money. I, I'm going to, if you're a kid, I'm going to obey my parents. Now, there, there's some uh, a false doctrine that says, oh, I, I'm going to obey my parents and you're 45 years old. No, that's not what the scripture is telling you. And you got a husband or you got a wife. I'm obeying my parents. She told me not to talk to you. You know, like, what is going on? You know, you can leave and cleave, right? You leave your parents and cleave to your spouse. Amen. That went over really well. And you got somebody 25 and they married. They still obeying their parents. <laughs> like, wait a minute. No, you got, the, got your own house and the parents are still telling you what to do. <laughs> um, if you're a kid, be obedient to your parents. Let's do the opposite. Let's not speak evil of no man, no woman. Take some time. I want you to acknowledge the Lord Jesus and how he, his body was broken for you, 
His blood was shed so that you and I could be forgiven of our sins and we can be who God called us to be because of the body that was broken and the blood that was shed. We can be forgiven. We can be Christians in the midst of an unholy generation. We could be grateful and holy today because of the body of Christ and the blood of Jesus. So let's reflect on what he did for us. He took our place so that we can be loved by God, so that we can be received by God. He was rejected so that we can be received. He was cursed so that we can be blessed. He was poor so that we can be rich. He he, he became sick so that we can be well. And above all, he took upon himself the wrath of God so that we can be pleased by God. Amen. Take what is representing his body and let's break of it. And let's eat in remembrance of Jesus. His body was broken for you. Let's take the blood, the the juice that represents the blood. How that juice, there's forgiveness where there's no um, shedding of blood. There's no forgiveness of sins. And that blood was shed, every ounce of it, for our past, present, and future. That no longer does God see us through our sins but he sees us through the blood of Jesus. When death comes at our door, it has to recognize the blood and go over us. Glory to God. Sickness and disease may come on our right and our left, but it won't come nigh us. Oh God, we have a covenant with almighty God because of the blood of Jesus. He doesn't deal with us based on our, our righteousness and our works, but he deals with us on the basis of the blood. So let us drink in remembrance of that blood. Let's give thanks. Come on, let's thank God for the body and the blood of Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We glorify your name, Father. We thank you for the body of Christ. And we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We are cleansed. We sit and we stand clean before God as if we never sinned. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We're thriving. Amen. We're thriving in these last days. The last of the last hour. <laughs> His return is upon us, and, and let's, let's be the b- believer. You know, sometimes when you think about, um, you know, what you want to do, and, and it's always in the future, and it's good to have vision, but then it, it's also good to start now. You know, and say, hey, I, I'm going to read my Bible, even if it's just 20 minutes, even if it's 30 minutes and an hour. Let's do something. Say, you know what? I, I'm going to learn the Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to honor the Lord with my tithes and offer. I'm going to honor the Lord with my body. I'm going to do something now. Thank you, Father. Father, as we leave this place, never from your presence, I thank you, Father, that you're with us. I thank you for the peace of God being upon the people of God. Thank you for helping us to thrive in the last days. In Jesus' name, amen. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.com. Also, you can write to us by mail. 
The address is P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, that's R-A-N-C-O-C-A-S, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email. The address is partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to his word. Until next time, God bless you.